Welcome. You're listening to sermons and talks from Providence Church in Brisbane. We believe that God speaks to us through His Word, the Bible. So we pray that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and challenged to love Jesus and live for Him. For more information about Providence Church, please visit our website, www.providencechurch.com. Psalms 95, 1 to 11. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come. Let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. All right, friends, please keep that passage open. We're going to work our way through uh, Psalm 95. Uh, I mentioned before and just chatting with Billy how uh, part of my role involves going to uh, Southeast Asia. I was just recently in Thailand I mean, the food's amazing, isn't it? Uh, I mean, they had these curries, beautiful hot curries swimming in coconut milk, uh, these satays dripping with peanuts. So, I mean, it was, you know. so coming back from there, I wasn't surprised then. I just tripped over a, a 2015 study which said that uh, Southeast Asia is a mecca for heart disease. Uh, this paper highlighted that there are more cases of heart disease in Southeast Asia than anywhere else uh, in the world. Now they don't just put it down to the diet. (laughs) Uh, Some of the risk factors at this study at least from one of the medical journals sort of included things like um, high blood sugar, high cholesterol, uh, smoking, uh, high blood pressure, lack of exercise, all those things certainly contribute to making Southeast Asia and people from a Southeast Asian background more prone to heart disease. In fact, the study went on to say that overall it said Southeast Asians are getting heart disease at a younger age with worse symptoms, longer hospital stays and higher death rates than anywhere else on the planet. Mind you, things are not a lot better here in Australia. <laughs> Another study I found from the year before, 2014-2015, said that 22% of Australians have some sort of form of cardiovascular disease. A uh, figure I just saw in January this year said one quarter of the deaths in Australia are due to cardiovascular disease, mostly stroke uh, and heart disease. Uh, sounds like Heart problems uh, are not just a problem confined to Australia or Southeast Asia. I think one in every 37 seconds in the US, someone dies of heart disease. They're a problem everywhere. 
And it's interesting that the Bible has a lot to say about our hearts. Not our physical hearts, but our spiritual hearts. Now, for example, Proverbs tells us to, to hide God's word in our heart, to, that our hearts are deceitful above all things, Jeremiah says. Remember Jesus' words in Matthew 7? That out of our hearts come all sorts of evil desires, sexual immorality, anger, murder. When the Bible talks about our hearts, it's really reflecting on the, the state of our spiritual activity. It's, it's what we think and feel about God. That's the way the Bible uses the metaphor for heart. The state of our hearts really reflects the state of our relationship with God. And Psalm 95 is all about our hearts. Psalm 95 is all about the, the state of our hearts. The first seven verses tells us what a healthy heart looks like. And verses 8 to 11, what a sick heart looks like. And so sort of reading Psalm 95 is a little bit like going to the doctor for a heart checkup to sort of see the state of your heart. And I wonder as we work our way through Psalm 95 what it may reveal about the state of your heart uh, this morning. But we'll begin more positively by the state of a healthy heart. And really Psalm 95 tells us two signs of someone with a healthy heart. Firstly, they praise God in sort of verses 1 to 5. And secondly, they reverence or respect or honour God in verses 6 to 7. A healthy heart praises God and respects God. And you see the idea about a healthy heart praising God there in verse 1 because it begins, Come, says the worship leader there in the temple in Jerusalem, speaking to the congregation like I'm speaking now. He says, Come, let us do three things. He says, Come, let us... Sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. When singing with joy to the Lord, shouting aloud, expressing thanksgiving with music are all things that we do with our mouths. It reminds us that what comes out of our mouths is a reflection of actually what's going on in our hearts. You know, it's one thing, as we were doing this morning, singing in church. But, you know, you can sit there and you can just sing quietly but have your mind somewhere else, thinking about where you might go for lunch or what your parents might think of a particular decision that you've made or about to make. We can be distracted we can be physically singing, but not be singing from our hearts. Well, I wonder when the last time was when you were here at Providence and you were singing and you were just really focused on the words and that you really sang from your heart. You sang with meaning. You sang as if you meant it because that's what a person with a healthy heart does. They express joy and thanksgiving and thoughtfulness as they sing. And verse 3 tells us why we should do this, why we should sing to God with joy and thanksgiving. 
See verse 3? It's because what God is like, because he's mighty and powerful. See, for the Lord, verse 3, the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, the mountain peaks belong to him, the sea is his, for he made it. His hands form the dry land. Again, the psalmist is using imagery, but sort of saying, look, from the, the highest point, the mountain peaks, to the lowest point, the depths, and everything else in between, God made them, and all of it belongs to him. He is the creator uh, God, and he is the king who rules over, as the psalmist says, any other so-called uh, gods. Uh, a couple of years ago when I was in Bangkok, I, I was with a friend and had the opportunity to visit the Grand Palace. Don't know if you've ever sort of been there. It's, it's just a magnificent precinct. I've never been to Buckingham Palace, but I've been told by friends who have been there that it, it itself is just breathtaking going in to see the glory and splendour of a palace like that. But you know, it's one thing to, to visit something like the Grand Palace as a tourist, but it's quite another to go there as the guest of the king or queen. I mean, imagine how great an honour that would be to sit down with them and have a meal and have them ask you about your day and just... That's being in their presence. Well, the psalmist says here that coming into God's presence is a greater privilege and a greater experience than coming into the presence of any of the kings and queens of the world. And yet, friends, if the first sign of someone with a healthy heart is that they praise God authentically, then the second sign the psalmist gives us is that they reverence or they respect or they honour God. And you see that there in verse 6 and 7, it says, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before God our maker. Sort of bowing down, worshipping the things that you do in the presence of someone that you honour or respect. A healthy heart regularly praises God, but also shows reverence or respect to him. And the psalmist goes on to tell us why. But the psalmist's reasons, I must say, when I was reading this psalm carefully, really surprised me. Because I was expecting the psalmist to say, we reverence God, we respect him, because of all the sort of reasons he gave us before. In verses 3, 4 and 5, because he's the mighty God, he's the creator God, he's powerful, and they will be very good reasons why we would. And yet the psalmist says something to me what was very unexpected in verses 6 and 7. He says, rather we should respect and honour God not simply because he is powerful, but because he is personal. We should respect God we should honour God, we should reverence God, not simply because he is powerful, but because he is personal. So there in verse 7, it says for, which gives us the reason, you know, it just said we should bow down and worship. Why? For he is our God and we are the sheep of his pasture. 
the flock under his care. Uh, when I used to work as a veterinarian in a little country town in the centre of New South Wales, uh, one of the things I had to do fairly regularly was drive around sheep properties, these vast sort of properties. And one of the real sad things was when you'd find just dead sheep. You know, some had been attacked by wild animals, and you'd only see part of the sheep there. You know, some had died of thirst. Some had got sick and had died even before I got there. You know, sheep thrive best when they've got plenty of access to food and water, when they've got shelter, and when they're protected. And in the time when the psalmist was writing this, that's what shepherds did for their sheep. You know, the shepherd would lead the sheep to places where there was plenty of food and water. The shepherd would protect them from being attacked by wild animals, protect them from being stolen. That's what the shepherd did. And really what verse 7 is telling us is that is what God is like uh, with us. Just as the shepherd tenderly cares for each of his sheep, so God tenderly cares for each of his people. Uh, the powerful God is also the personal God. So friends, can I just pause for a moment and ask you, what does your praise and, and thanksgiving have to say about the state of your heart? What about your attitude towards God? And do you live as God of, and focus on him as king and ruler of the world or do you mainly focus on him as a caring shepherd do you focus on the powerful side of god or the personal side of god because a healthy heart does both wonder whether your heart is healthy or whether it needs a bit of a tune-up if it needs a tune-up what might that look like? Well, friends, we'll come back to those questions after we've just considered the last couple of verses of the psalm, verses 8 to 11, because if verses 1 to 7 describe the symptoms of a healthy heart, verses 8 to 11 describe the symptoms of a sick heart. And the main symptom of having a sick heart is refusing to listen to God. A sick heart rejects God's word. And friends, a big clue to understanding verses 8 to 11, which took me a while to work this out, is that there is a change in speaker from the end of verse 7 into verse 8. See, verses 1 to 7 are all the psalmist speaking. You can imagine just like as we were so helpfully led in our singing this morning. Someone out the front leading, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord, let us shout aloud, speaking to the congregation. And then towards the end of verse 7, the psalmist says, Oh, if only you would hear God's voice. And then suddenly, <laughs> we hear God's voice. God actually breaks in, and verses 8 to 11 are all actually the voice of of God. You see it there, end of verse 7, today if you hear his voice, 
And then it's God speaking. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did at the day at Massa in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath, in my anger they shall never enter my rest. Now this reference to, to Meribah and to Massa refers to an incident that happened hundreds of years earlier back in Exodus chapter 17. See, it's about eight weeks after the Israelites had been led out of uh, Egypt under Moses. And they'd run out of water. And so they attempted to doubt God. See, God had told them that he would provide for them food and water, he'll provide for them in the desert. But suddenly they're faced with a test. Will they trust God or not? Sadly, in Exodus 17, they give in to that temptation and they start grumbling against Moses and against God. They say, oh, if only we were back in Egypt. Sure, we'd be slaves again, but at least we'd have plenty of food and water. I mean, what a lack of faith in God they showed. And if you read the rest of Exodus 17, you'll see that God miraculously provides water for them. God kept his good words. But the people's refusal to, to trust God showed that they had sinful, unbelieving hearts. And this same attitude of failing to trust God played itself out again and again and again during that 40 years in the wilderness. And so the warning in Psalm 95 verse 8 is the main lesson of the psalm. If you remember, friends, nothing else this morning from Psalm 95, remember this, the big warning, God says, don't harden your hearts towards God. That's the point. Don't harden your hearts uh, towards God. And hundreds of years later, hundreds of years after Psalm 95 was written, uh, this psalm is actually quoted by the writer to the Hebrews who takes the warning from Psalm 95 and applies it to uh, the Christians of his day. Friends, Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7. I'll read down to verse 11. It'll sound very familiar, I hope. Uh, verse 7, Hebrews 3. So... As the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me that for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray. I have not known my ways, so I declared on oath in my anger they shall never enter my rest. 
Friends, if you're familiar with the book of Hebrews, you would know that uh, the people that the writer was writing to were people from a, a Jewish background who were getting a hard time for having become Christians, for having left Judaism and following Jesus instead. They were losing their homes, they were losing their jobs, they were getting uh, mistreated by family members. And so these people were being tempted not to go back to slavery in Egypt like their ancestors, but to go back to slavery under Judaism, uh, Judaism and leave Christ. And so the writer to the Hebrews, uh, he speaks to these uh, Jewish Christians. He says, look, don't make the same mistake that your ancestors did all those years ago back in the wilderness where they were tempted to doubt God's good word and gave in to their temptation. He says, look, don't make that same mistake that they did. Don't harden your heart towards God. You see the application in verse 12, Hebrews 3. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the, till the end the confidence we had at first. Friends, did you pick up what those couple of verses had to say about our hearts? Like for example, we're told in verse 12 to check the state of our hearts to see whether they're healthy or sick, to see whether we have a sinful, unbelieving heart or not. We're told in verse 12 that the way a heart gets like this, a way a heart gets hard, is by turning away from the living God, that, that powerful yet personal God described in Psalm 95. We're told in verse 13 that sinful hearts are hard hearts. And also that, that sin is so deceitful that it can start to desensitise our hearts to the point where we don't even sort of realise that what we are doing is sinful. We don't even realise that our hearts are becoming hard. And so friends, can I ask you this morning, look, how's your heart? How healthy is it? Is it healthy or sick? Is it uh, soft towards God and his word? Or is it becoming hard? Or is it a rock heart? Because the state of our heart reflects the state of our attitude towards God and his words. So friends, here's a, a bit of a checklist that you might find helpful for diagnosing the state of your heart. You know, do you uh, usually sing with joy to the Lord? Or are you distracted, sombre, or even disinterested when songs are sung in church? I mean, does your heart resonate with thankfulness towards God? Or are you a bit of a, a grumbler, a bit of a complainer? 
But when you, you sing, do you regularly reflect on the majesty and power of God? Or is your view of God too small, simply focused on him as your shepherd, as your friend? Now, when you pray, do you feel almost nervous or embarrassed to bring seemingly small requests to God because you think such a, a powerful God wouldn't care about something so personal? Or do you approach God rather as a loving Heavenly Father who loves to give good gifts to his children? I mean, when you read the Bible, do you feel rebuked? Do you feel challenged? Do you feel encouraged by his word? Or, quite frankly, does it not have much impact at all? You know, when you sin, do you uh, grieve, genuinely grieve that you've sinned against God? And then respond in, confession and repentance and faith or do you just sort of excuse it or, or minimise it or just ignore it altogether now, do you hear God's word and do what it says or do you obey it selectively you know, maybe this morning your heart is strong, your heart is healthy now you're responding rightly to God's words. And if that's the case, then keep going. Keep being thankful. Keep singing God's praises. Keep reverently worshiping him. Keep obeying God's word. Keep joyfully living a life of obedience. That's the encouragement for you this morning. Maybe though, your heart used to be soft towards God, but it's it's starting to harden a little bit. You know, you, you mostly obey God's word, but there's an area of your life where you selectively disobey it. You obey him most of the time, just not all of the time. You're, you're holding out on him on an issue. Maybe it's an inappropriate relationship. Maybe it's to do with greed. Maybe it's making work and your career an idol. Maybe it's uh, self-sufficiency. Maybe for you there's someone that you know you should forgive but haven't. Well, if that sounds like it could be you, well then now's the time to do something about it before your heart gets any harder. We need to confess those things to God and then turn away from them. Before our hearts get any harder. And heed the warning of Psalm thirty-five, sorry, Psalm ninety-five. Don't harden your heart towards God. Don't even let it start to become hard. Don't be like that sort of, you know, sponge I've got out the by the back door, you know, when you've got the, the squeeze mop. And it's alright when it's in the water, but the next day it's all dried out and cracked. Our hearts can become like that. And yet, friends, though, maybe this morning, maybe your heart isn't starting to harden, but it's rock hard. That is, you've, you've either stopped listening to God, or maybe never even started. Well, friends, if that's you, then you're in great danger this morning. Great danger. 
You need to turn to God and beg for forgiveness and repent because you're in a very, very dangerous position. You know, a friend of mine wasn't that fit and healthy and he had a heart attack at the age of 40. Fortunately, he survived, but he decided to do something about the state of his heart. He started eating healthy food, began exercising, cut back on the caffeine. And over a while, he lost some weight, became healthier overall, as did his heart. You know, a sick heart can become healthy again if it heeds the warning signs and does something about them. Now, Psalm 95 offers us encouragement about how to have a healthy heart and also a warning about having hearts that are hard towards God. Friends, I'll close with those words from Hebrews 3. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Why don't I pray for us? Heavenly Father, this morning, may we be people who heed the warning that we don't harden our heart towards you, that we, if we are starting to move away, that we turn back quickly. Father, give us healthy hearts that authentically praise you and hear your word and seek to do what it says. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.